24 hours a day, seven days a week. A new way of radio and the beginning of a new talent. Moncoradio.com, where music and minds meet. Wake up, sleepyheads. It's party time! Yeah, this is the old nooster coming at you right here on this fine, fine Rocktober morning. It's the sweeping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and I'm going to do it to you right here, right now. Wow! Just moved in my new house today. Moving was hard, but I got squared away. Bell started ringing and changed right loud. In a haunted house Still I made up in my mind to stay Nothing was gonna drive me away When I seen something that give me the creep Had one big eye and a two big feet I stood right still and I did the Hey, look what I found in the Monco Radio storage closet. Wow, it's a dusty box full of records. Cool! ACDC, Motley Crue, Kiss. This stuff is great. What's this one? It's heavy, like twice as heavy as the rest of them. Look, it says right here, scratched in the vinyl, Sammy Kerr. Sammy Kerr? He was big back in the 80s. My dad was a fan. I heard he was supposed to play here at Monco, but he was killed in a freaky fire or something. Let's listen to it. Army, you wanted the best and you got it. I am Matt Porter and you are in the Kiss Room. Of course, October should be about Halloween and thrills and chills and the Kiss Cruise and parties and grabbing handfuls of candy. But of course, this year is going to be different. COVID is still killing so many activities. Speaking for myself, I am kind of losing my mind. My mic is probably overmodulated, but you love me anyway. And we can't start the show without paying tribute to one of the most inspiring and influential guitarists of all time, Eddie Van Halen. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. Every other music podcast will do that. But I want to salute Eddie in this way. Take your phone or your computer or whatever device you are listening on right now and turn it up as loud as you can go. Everyone, all at once as we remember Eddie Van Halen. Hey. 
Kiss Army, I have a fun show for you. I will be talking to Ron Albanese about his new book and kicking the coffin door open as we welcome vampire Kelly Stevens. The Kiss Room house band will be rocking, and you're in the Kiss Room on Monaco Radio, where music and minds meet. Army, thank you for spending time with me here in the Kiss Room. Right now, we are joined by musician, entertainer, diehard Kiss fan, and author of the new book, Conversations with Phantoms, interviews about the 1978 movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, Ron Albanese. Ron, welcome to the Kiss Room. Yeah, what's up, Matt? Good to see you. Good to hear you. I'll tell you, this room looks pretty good. You've been decorating uh, during the last few months. <laughs> You know, spending a lot of time in the kiss room, we uh, we hung up new posters, so it's it's pretty nice. But the uh, so obviously, look, I, I've had you on the kiss room before. I've known you for a while. Uh, how are you holding up during all this? I mean, obviously, you're an entertainer. You're out there doing your thing a lot. I see you doing your kids show. You do your rock show. How's the whole two twenty twenty has been screwed up for so many people? How have you been handling it? Uh, is something gone wrong this year? What, what's happening? <laughs> you know, I don't know. A L- little hiccup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I was just going to say because, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, as you know, I'm a children's entertainer, and that's the, the super main thing I do. And 
And that's gone uh, from doing over 100 shows a year uh, to maybe a fifth of that. And that's fractions for all you KISS fans. And, you know, so what I've done is, as the kids say, I have pivoted a little bit and I've been (laughs) indulging myself in other things. Uh, You know, I've been doing more recording uh, kids stuff and and, and also adult stuff and actually uh, a song uh, with my daughter and most recently just finished up, of course, uh, the Kiss book. So I've been able to kind of make lemonade from the lemons and just focus on other projects that have just been dragging on or, I, you know, those those B and C projects you just wanted to get to. So when this thing hit right away, I, I, I just really wanted to dig in to do another stuff. And I have to say, I'm, I'm probably a better bass player than I've ever been. That was one of the things. <laughs> I, the bass was like just sitting there, and I'm like, I always just made sure to sit down and, and learn a little bit. So now, obviously, you talk about doing 100 shows a year with the kid entertainment. That's a lot of jumping jack attacks. Is that how you stay in such good shape? Dude, I, I got to tell you, of course, my secret is eating a lot of birthday cake because uh, I always perform <laughs> at a lot of children's parties. And I've seen it all. Matt, Matt, I've seen it all. I've seen the, uh, the, the cakes come in. Uh, with the really big flowers. I've seen the advent of the stand, like with a photo, your photo on a cake. I've seen that. Uh, I've seen the invention of the really thick, uh, what do they call that? Like the fondue, fondant type of... Fondant. Uh, yes, sir. What did you call me? And um, <laughs> I've, I've seen that come in. And so it's, it's you know, it's just, yeah, a lot of running around kind of uh, keeps me slender. So, I mean, it sounds like you're doing well, obviously using the time to continue, you know, moving things forward, not getting all caught up in uh, the craziness that is COVID-19. So it's good to hear the uh, now, obviously what we're talking about and you've used this time to finish your book. I know you've been working on this for a long time and it also has the longest title of a book. Conversations with Phantoms, <laughs> interviews about the 1978 movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. So that's it's pretty inspired, but also very to the point. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and that is perfectly put. And don't forget, there is a colon in there. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. <laughs> and and you know, Matt, you know, uh, again, you know, this thing had a long birth, a, a massive uh, gestation. And what it was is way back, early 2000s, I was sitting getting my uh, final accreditation for becoming a a licensed school teacher. So I had to go to these courses at a college and sitting in these courses, uh, you know, I would start doodling things in my notebook. You know, here I am uh, 30 years old and I'm writing like kiss rules in my notebook and, you know, things like that, (laughs) of course. And all of a sudden it dawned on me uh, to start writing a kiss book of some kind. Now, you know, I kind of lean toward getting the kitschy part of kiss. I'm not one of those really serious kiss fans. I I never have been able to, um, you know, be super serious about them. I always picked up farcical elements about them. And that's a big word, like not going to finish it. Gymnasium. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, Matt. And, you know, I, I just landed on Kiss Meets the Phantom. You know, I always love that. And it, it appeals to the to the inner child, you know, that we all have. And, and especially with the Kiss thing in the 70s. So what I had done was I started writing and, and, and outlining what I would do with such a book project. And in those early days of the internet, I just started calling up SAG, you know, later on after just started looking up numbers. Uh, internet and movie database was around. It was extant. 
but there wasn't too much information. And little by little, I started getting a few phone numbers here and there. And I started getting a hold of people and started doing interviews pretty much uh, from the word go. I, in, in those days, Matt, I would dub uh, a VHS copy of the, of the movie and send it to somebody I was going to interview. And actually, a lot of these interviews were just cold. They were like a first contact thing saying, hey, your movie is on the way. If you could watch it, then we'll circle back and talk. But a lot of these interviews, as I went back a few years ago and listened to them, were kind of OK. And, and I finally said, you know, maybe I should put this out and just get these out there. I just, you know, the cassettes were literally and still are sitting in a Nike shoebox. And <laughs> I, I just kept walking by it for over a decade. And finally, one time again, I, I just had the idea. Let me see if I could cobble this together into something. Uh, let me make sure it's readable. Let me make sure there's something here for, for fellow KISS fans. And, and there was. So I just started putting that together. And that took a little bit of time, too. But again, like you're saying, in all seriousness, with the pandemic, I kind of have a little extra time. And I just wanted to make sure to kind of push it out the door. And, and that's exactly how that happened. Well, you know, it's funny, even just right looking at the cover, it's the picture of the box of cassettes, which to, to me, I felt was very nostalgic in the fact that there is a certain portion of the audience that is going to go, what is that? You know, what is a cassette? Now, obviously, dinosaurs like myself, I still have thousands of cassettes, but to a younger generation, what are these mysterious things? And, and I thought that was a really nice way to just frame the book of the time that you worked on it. Because it shows you were recording on a cassette. And I, and, I, and I thought that was a really kind of a clever way to set up that context for what you're doing as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to say, you know, I, I actually still have the Radio Shack uh, cassette recorder. I have the uh, phone gizmo to plug into the wall. And I have all of these cassettes. <laughs> And it really takes you back. It really does. You know, when I was working on it, the early 2000s, you know, people think it's kind of recent, but we were still a little primitive there for a while. So everything went on tape. That's fantastic. Now, obviously, we're talking a little bit about time travel in that respect, but I want you to travel back in your mind, October 1978, the, the cinematic epic of 1978, Kiss Meets the Phantom is on TV. Where is young Ron when Kiss Meets the Phantom originally airs. I'm all eyes and ears on NBC. And let me tell you, if you had an official Kiss Room sketch artist, I could detail this to the hilt. And you know what? I am going to detail it to the hilt. Why not? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, we, had a, we had a rec room, as, as we used to call them. Remember that, everybody? Your rec room was the, uh, you know, the, the spotlight room in the house where you did your entertaining and where you watched a lot of things. And, and uh, we had a rec room and, and my mom had it super appointed. We had the paneling. Uh, we had the shag carpet. More about that in a moment. And we had a state of the art Magnavox 19 inch color TV. I have not been able to find pictures of this particular model online, Matt. So I'm going to describe it. It's uh, it was a, a white plastic molded TV set on a white plastic pedestal about two feet in the air. And this thing was the, uh, the crowning jewel of this room of, of paneling and, and wicker and all this uh, medieval type furniture. And on this very night, I totally had a mini fight with my mom beforehand because she was entertaining and she was having some people over. 
So I was like, look, mom, uh, you know, I, I just turned eight years old. It's 1978. I'm going to write a book about this 40 years from now. I've got to watch this movie. So I don't know why or how, but she acquiesced and she let me at one end of the room sit glued to this TV, literally a foot away that the only thing between the TV and me was a Celentano frozen pizza. I don't know if you remember them in Pennsylvania, but they were like these cool squares. And I had a frozen pizza and I, I just dug in and I watched this movie. And I got to tell you, I watched the whole thing, bad editing issues and, and script issues aside. Um, and at the end of it, Matt, I stood up and I'll never forget this. Almost like, like Abner himself took me over. I stood up. I, I went in the shack carpeting. It was a burnt sienna, dark orange rug. And with my hands, I made a huge kiss logo in the rug. <laughs> and, and I just went upstairs. I just returned, you know, to my sleeping quarters forever a member of the kiss army. <laughs> that is a perfect picture the way you describe that i think like just taking people back to paneling and shag rug and the frozen pizza that's perfect i mean so obviously at that point clearly you're even at eight years old you are hooked by kiss i mean this is a big moment in your life Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in the neighborhood. Uh, and we were a Paul neighborhood, by the way, everybody seemed to gravitate <laughs> toward being into Paul. There's Gene neighborhoods and there's Paul neighborhoods. We were a Paul neighborhood. We're a bunch of hopeless romantics, even to this day. Uh, but you know, yeah, I had a rock and roll over on a track, uh, and I had it in the rare, if anybody, any collectors are out there, I had a rare Columbia house orange shell for that. The orange shell, as you know, it was issued in many different colors. The orange shell is very hard to find. I have not been able to, to find it on eBay or otherwise as of yet. Alex, Michael, you have a copy and you need to sell it to me. That was a little editorial. <laughs> and uh, I also had double platinum and I had uh, dress to kill. Those were my first three entryways into the whole kiss oeuvre as it were. So, I mean, at that point, I mean, obviously that's, that's the way I always remember it is that in 1978, Kiss you was guys should have saw, You should have saw Matt's face, everybody, when I said Oofra. That's all. Oh, see, that's fantastic. I like the way you're working in all these little geniusms. So it's, uh, you know, it's funny because the, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things I remember, like, like I can picture the same thing, like as you're describing it, I can picture the front room and where everybody yes. was and, and, and it's funny because in a lot of ways, and this is something I'm sure that you've found over the years, and even as you're bringing out a book about this, people either kind of love it or they don't get it. Like the movie itself, like, yeah, you're not going to compare it to The Godfather. It's not really Star Wars meets A Hard Day's Night. But there's something about it that it's so watchable. And I think I could speak for myself that I will watch it multiple times during the year. You know it line by line. And, and you either love it or you don't get it. And I think there's, like, for anybody who grew up at that time, now there's people, like I talked to Ken Mills, who's about a year or two older than I am, and he talks about going to high school on Monday and being embarrassed. Like, oh, they, they were so <laughs> foolish. How could? But to me, 10 years old, I remember, and, and of course, and this is a part of the puzzle that, that I think a lot of people forget. You didn't see it again for years like it disappeared it was on i didn't have a vcr for probably at least another four five six seven years and you know when until you could record stuff off the air so it lived in your memory then i think it hit like the midnight you know replay at like by about 1980 
But we were living with the memory of it. We were living with that Phantom of the Park magazine, which still stands out as one of the best magazines. Yes. But it, it was your memory. And like even the fact that you could so vividly paint your picture of that night for yourself, I think is why the movie still rules. It meant something at the time. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, I'm just writing down my notes here of what you're saying. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? If I may be frank. Hi, Frank. Um, I have to say, I have to say that, you know, it's a lot of pish posh about the uh, movie not being good. And, um, you know, Kiss, Gene and Paul, God bless them. They, they are such great speakers, um, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and in their narrative. OK, I wish, uh, you know, Kiss Extreme Close Up can be that could be banished uh, from everybody's memory banks, because this whole narrative that they have in that video cassette, for example, and beyond is just not what it is. And, and let me tell you, you know, here we go. Right. We're, we're in history here. Peter Chris is not a good drummer. False. Kiss Me Stefan Park is not good. False. Revenge is a great album. False. Oh, well, come on. So <laughs> Revenge is a great album. But my point is, my point is, Mr. Porter, that, you know, it's so subjective. There are so many eras of history, so many things to pick and choose from. And again, I'll debate into dust why Peter Chris rules because he totally does. But you may not think so. You may say that, no, um, you know, uh, Anton Figg's better or, or Tommy Stewart from Christine is better than Peter right. Chris. Right. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a name drop. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's making it hyper local. And uh, Tommy, we love you. We'll see you in New Year's Eve. There's another one. He would get every reference that you've used. <laughs> you know, that's, there's a certain era. <laughs> Dude, I, let me tell you something. If anybody's out there, Christine, E-E-N, on YouTube. Some, somebody finally uploaded the whole demo. Great 80s hard rock. I just had to say that every time I see you, I think of like, you know, you, Matt Porter, you, Monko, and for some reason, you, Christine, because you did their videos. Yeah, you know what, those guys, the, I, I was first just a big fan of them. I mean, we can go off on a whole sidetrack. I love that band, and then I got involved doing their videos, and they're great guys. That was a fun time, and that, you figure that's about 1992, 93. That was a fun time in my life, I'll tell you that, but the, uh, that's a whole other show right there. I have had Tom on the Kiss Room. He's a blast. You know, you get him on there with his stories he's another one that uh that would be a fun round table if i could get the two of you on together i'm gonna do that yeah so. totally totally i just want to say about that too tommy's a good dude we jammed in like 93 you're just jogging my memory i wonder if he remembers and we got this basement <laughs> uh he kept telling me how angel is awesome and then also i think we played a, a good percentage of the entire cheap trick catalog me on bass and him on drums um, but, you know, going back to 1978, my friend, um, yeah, you know, Kiss Me's the Phantom. Uh, yeah, it came and went, you know, it, it only aired a couple times in the 80s, one time in the early 80s. And then the, the, what I believe was the bigger airing uh, on CBS of all networks, I think it was um, in eight, New Year's Eve 85 or, or right around there. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it became this mythical thing. Um, but besides that, I think if people just step away from the kiss narrative about it and really consider it. They'll still think it's lousy. No, actually they will, <laughs> they will kind of realize that there's a lot going on there. It is a super seventies pop culture production. And you know, uh, in my book, 
Um, oh, I've written a book about it. Yes, it's called Conversations <laughs> with Phantoms. Exclusive interviews about the 1978 TV movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And, you know, in the book, I think if anybody reads it, I think you'll realize how much went into it and how much pop culture power is actually connected to it. Um, again, from, from NBC to Hanna-Barbera to, to pretty big name character actors like Carmine Caridi from The Godfather at the time, most notably, uh, Anthony Zerbe, to behind the scenes with Deke Hayward, uh, the, the king uh, of a lot of 60s coolness uh, that we were given, you know, and 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 uh, Gordon Hessler, uh, wow, producing the Dr. Fives movies, uh, you know, among other things. So much talent involved in it. So many uh, people and entities getting behind our KISS guys to try to push out the best project possible in a TV movie format where you usually have, again, three, maybe four weeks to slap the thing together. Yeah, and they were working very fast by all accounts because the band was was in so in demand that they're like, let's just get them in and out because Kiss has to go out and tour. And, you know, it's... Uh... So, I mean, thinking about that, I mean, obviously you just name-checked a ton of people. Dive into the book a little bit. What are some of the interviews that people are just going to be so bowled over to read? Oh, oh yeah. You know, I, I think the other thing too, Matt, is... Um, when you read this book, you know, this is not a dissertation. This is not a super serious uh, discussion at all about it. It's written in the spirit uh, or the unintended spirit of the movie being fun. And and in all seriousness, this is serious fun, I guess you could call it. But get into that, that young <laughs> kid. Yeah. Get into that young Kiss fan headspace and, and and maybe watch the movie, then dive into the book. And some of the interviews um, really do even go beyond the movie. Um, one interview that pops to mind is I, I had the pleasure of speaking with Michael Bell, who, of course, did the voice of Peter and a million other things. You know, the, the doing the voice of Peter in his output is just one small thing in a massive career of not only on cam camera acting, but, of course, voicing so many of the characters that we grew up loving in, in animation. That's a great interview where he kind of, you know, fleshes out the uh, voiceover process. And I found that very interesting. I love Gordon Hessler's discussion was was great. He sat down and watched the movie and he had a lot of insights about it. He really took the time to study it and was very clear in how he felt at the time. And of course, how he felt upon being interviewed about it in 2002. Deke Hayward painted a whole picture. Um, he walked us through the process. He really painted um, a picture of what it was like to be in his position, seeing Kiss, these, these, these big music guys at that time, and what he has done and what he was doing with Hanna-Barbera at the time. I, I promise you the read is, is definitely chock full of stuff. And um, again, it's, it's Kiss and beyond in, in a lot of ways. You know, and to get that kind of behind the scenes, it is fantastic. I think especially, you know, a lot of time they're talking about something that they did in a career decades earlier and you're jogging their memory and it's fun. It will be fun, I think, because, you know, as KISS nerds, we like all that kind of stuff. And it's just, uh, you know, so I'm really I'm super excited to read that part of it. And the, uh, the did you learn anything? Now, you're obviously by the time you're going into this, a diehard fan. Did you learn anything that surprised you? There is one, uh, what I've been calling a nugget, 
that is in one of the interviews that kind of blew me away. I don't think it's out there. Uh, even to this day, I don't think it's eked out what was revealed in this interview. And I had totally forgotten it. And then when I was going through this interview, um, it was really quite shocking and, and cool at the same time. And, and one of those what ifs. And that that little nugget really sticks out as a as a big reveal kind of thing. And uh, something else, and, and I guess I could say what it is now, was re, was going over Bill Coin's interview and and really realizing how much he loved all four guys and and how fond he was of Gene Ace, Peter, and Paul, and um how respectful he was in the interview and and just talking about things, uh, all things kiss. You know, we really just sat down and and dovetailed into this topic and that topic. And uh he was just great. It just uh he opens the book. I had his interview open the book because of that reason, I think. Uh it, it really good. It it helps sets a tone. The uh, I think as a Kiss fan, the thing that's so great is you're capturing stories that now would otherwise disappear, you know. And and nobody's getting younger. And the fact, I mean, obviously someone like Bill Coin, you've captured a story and a side of him that could be lost in history. And I think it's like why I like podcasting so much is, you know, we're capturing some of these stories and, and sharing them and, you know, they live on, you know, and I think to the fact that you were able to get those kind of things and share them, I think it's going to really be, you know, it will resonate with Kiss fans, but obviously on a bigger level, people want to know about entertainment, you know, and Bill Coin, such a powerful person as far as Kiss, but certainly in the entertainment industry, somebody who has very interesting insights. So I think that'll be really interesting. The, uh, and obviously, you're going to make us read the book to find out that nugget of information. Yeah, and absolutely. You, you've learned well from Gene and Ace. and you know. So, I mean, obviously, one of the things that's the most fun about Kiss Meets the Fan of the Park, everybody that's a Kiss nerd has certain lines that they go to in their, in their regular life. What are some of the lines that you use in your regular life? There are some that have popped up now after watching the movie a million times. Uh, I've been saying, uh, enjoy yourselves. I've been saying that the way Abner says it's a kiss before he walks out of the lab for some reason. I've been saying, gentlemen, enjoy yourselves. I don't know. I've been saying that <laughs> lately. Uh, I always loved Melissa's pretty mystical. Pretty mystical. mystical. I've, always, I've, I've always loved that one. Uh, and then, of course, there's the whole host of them that we all love. Anything from, of course, uh, the Easy Catman line, uh, Insufficient Data at the moment, Star Child, that little kind of Star Trek nod. Um, there's this, there's some good dialogue in a movie, or at least I think so. I, I'm not a screen, you know, or a script writer. So, but I think some of the dialogue is kind of, it has this little, uh, 70s snappy jive to it and there's actually a reason for that as you read the book um that will emerge when you when you read one of the interviews and and besides that i just wanted to say matt you you hit a great point about trying to preserve uh the history of certain things and you know on, on a somewhat somber note you know at least uh five of the people i interviewed are no longer with us uh right. you know of course uh, bill Coin. Uh, Gordon Hessler, Deke Hayward, uh, Don Boudet, one of the script co-writers, and Carmine Caridi. Again, um, 
you know, five people that are in the book and, and, and I was fortunate enough to be able to talk with them about this and, and get, you know, some of their thoughts down. Yes. Yeah, Sam's still in the park, but he's no longer with us. So it's just, uh, you know, yes, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. But I mean, that's, it's funny. That's the one, my brother and I, we use the line all the time, lame old man, real lame. That's that one still gets used a lot, you know? And it's funny, anybody that's familiar with the kiss room, obviously in the, usually in the top of the hour we have, Hey, you're not allowed to smoke in the kiss room. That's actually Leon Delaney saying that because when I, when I talked to him one time, I'll give a shout out to Kat Mara as well. He recorded that drop for me. And that's why that's worked right in there. That is him saying the, custom version of it. Hey, you're not allowed to smoke in the kiss room. So that's that shout out to Leon. That's, you know, and he of course told that story on my show about how that was his, he got his, uh, SAG after card, you know, by, uh, by doing that line and then running down the street and getting his card. So it was, uh, you know, the, uh, it's fun stuff like that. So obviously that's, I mean, obviously the book sounds like it's going to be amazing. And I have mine on order, which, uh, I, I know it drops what you're saying. It's, it's the October 28th. But, you know, you're, uh, it's kind of sneaking out there. Well, you know, uh, all best laid plans with this book project from day one uh, have gone awry, so to speak. But, but you know what? In a good way. Uh, what happened was uh, I, I finished the book. I turned it in and, and you know, I, I did the editing myself because, uh, I'm you know, I'm an editor as well as a writer and, and um, finally turned the thing in. And I get together with the publisher, Bear Media. BearManorMedia.com, BearManorMedia.com. And they say to me, okay, when, when do you want to release this? What's the release date? So, of course, I'm thinking October 28th, the release uh, <laughs> being, you know, the air date of Phantom originally. So uh, we're like, okay, cool. Then a funny thing happened. People started doing the pre-orders through the Bear Manor Media website. And you know what? Copies just started shipping. So we decided to roll with it and, and just do kind of a soft launch. And, uh, you know, again, given the history of this project, I'm not surprised. And uh, it's a happy surprise, though. So the book, uh, if you order it from Bear Manor Media, uh, you're going to see it in your mailbox pretty quickly. That's exciting. So everybody can find that. And obviously, I mean, that's that's one of the things that's that's uh, I think so exciting. It's one of those things that when it appears, people are just going to be excited that you know, they might've gotten it first. There's always something about getting it first. And now, you know, I saw it pop up. I saw Javier and uh, John Phillips and people were starting to post. Then I remember sh shouting, you know, a message going, Hey, look, is this out? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was a surprise. It was, uh, yeah, that, that gentleman uh, in the kiss room and then somebody else in Germany posted that. Now I don't have a copy of the book. Incidentally, I do not. Um, <laughs> But people are, are texting me all over and uh, they're just like, hey, I just got the book. And, and so far, uh, you know, people are excited by it and, and they're, they're getting into the spirit of it. And again, oh, boy, I don't want to sound corny, but, you know, these days, a little uplifting, uplifting escape like this is, is a cool thing. And, and uh, I'm happy to provide it. You know, let's just have some fun. You know, Kiss is a great escape for us. So, I, I, you know, hey, let's do it. Well, you know, speaking of uplifting things and things that were catching people's eye, sharp-eyed viewers will recognize that you were in the Ace Fraley Target commercial doing all the jumping and kicking that you're known for. How would you get involved with that? Well, you know, uh, through the years, um, I, I've been lucky enough to, to work on some uh, Ace Fraley-related projects, uh, mostly on the record label side, E1, of course. 
And when it came time to do something for, for Origins, uh, Origins 2, which was just released, um, I had heard that the label was, was you know, coming up with different ways to, to promote it because, you know, an in-store is out of the question right now and things like that. And I was recruited uh, to help out and get some footage, uh, you know, in front of Target stores and stuff and then um, get some footage of Ace as well. Um, so Ace and I uh, met up and uh, we made a Target run and uh, got some cool footage and, and Ace was very uh, into it totally into the idea love doing it and uh i think the final product shows it's got a, a lot of energy to it uh that the label did a great job in assembling the video i i just it's it's so much fun and like it's one of those things you're watching at the end you're like it's like you're exhaling because you're holding your breath through these 34 seconds with these hyper cuts and everything it's just so much fun it worked well so uh, I hope to do more in the future. You know, I'm, I'm a big Ace fan. I'm a big Ace fan. You know, it's funny. Uh, you know, it's funny. This is just Kiss talk, Matt. You know, this is not, you know, business talk. This is just as a Kiss <laughs> fan. You, we were always watching Gene and Paul. And, you know, Ace is not, you know, as evident sometimes when you watch those older Kiss videos and stuff. But he had a, just a cool vibe going on and the whole thing. And you know who started telling me that? We're like, my daughter. You know, who's going to be 17? She's into Kiss and she discovered things. She's like, Ace is so cool, you know, things like that. So it just gives us, it gives nuts like us and nerds like us just more to talk about. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because you talk about bringing some excitement. Whoever dreamed up that idea of hashtag, you know, Ace, Space Ace Target or whatever. And I, because I mean, I probably wouldn't have gotten a target except for, you know, I want to have my picture hashtag, you know, target. And the funny thing, it really was that feeling of going into the store and kind of moving a little faster to get back there because you want to make sure you get your copy. They were smart. Whoever came up with that idea, genius. And, and it did bring that, that old school feel of kind of running in. I want to get the new album. Now I'll put you on the spot. Favorite song off Origins Volume 2. Right now, without a doubt, I'm into Kicks. Kicks is a good song. Um, I think he did a great job with that. And I did his version of Lola. And actually, I had the pleasure of, of quickly asking Ace. Well, actually, I, I was like, I said, by the way, uh, you're, you're a pretty big Kicks fan. I, I never really knew that. And I don't think we, as Kiss fans, ever really heard that through the years. And... Um, he said, yeah, he said, you know, I've always liked them and, and I think they never got their, their just due. And, and I agree with that. You know, when you look at the British invasion, of course, Beatles, Stones, who a little behind them. And then there's this big drop off. And then you have things, uh, yeah, like the Kinks. And I always thought Ray Davies uh, was totally underrated. So that was great to hear. And I think Lola's great. Again, I love Kicks and I love the record. It's it, Again, it's got a nice energy to it. And um I loved Origins, and then this one I think I love even more. I agree. Yeah, I think to me, if it's 2020 and you get Robin Zander and Ace on a track, to, come on, 30 Days in a Hole, that is, that's probably my standout track. And then the night that I got that, I actually got the CD, and then I went and hang out with some friends of mine. So I'm driving yeah. back home a little later. <laughs> cranking that thing up and it was and i was in the right mood for it it was really it was fantastic and uh so yeah congrats on that it was it was cool seeing you and a couple other familiar faces in that commercial so obviously look we're, we're kind of headed to the top of the hour i want to ask you obviously growing up what was your favorite halloween costume my favorite Halloween costume growing up, uh, you know, I was never a super duper Halloween guy. 
but I'll tell you, um, growing up, and this is before, you know, things got super elaborate and all that. One of my favorite Halloween costumes, <laughs> a guy in the neighborhood dressed up as Vinnie Vincent in like 85 and, <laughs> and, and, and had the Ankh, which is basically the scarlet letter of the Kiss Army. And um, he had the Ankh <laughs> on. And I, I just thought it was so cool because I love the Egyptian warrior character. And, and, and Matt, let's get into this a little bit. I don't want to hear wizard. I don't want to hear any of that. Nothing was ever officially put forth. So in the 90s, when I was writing for the Kiss Thought Ball, I coined, not a coin, I coined the term <laughs> Egyptian warrior. Egyptian warrior. Fans, I need you to think about this. A great counterpoint to the demon. Okay, you have the fox, a cat, these fairy uh, four-legged creatures. Uh, you have the more celestial offerings of the star child and the spaceman. Well, space ace. He was never really spaceman either. Let's get that right. Right. Um, so the Egyptian warrior. Just, just consider it. You know, it's it's funny because that's exactly. I think there's a certain. We were talking earlier about what age were you when, but to me, you always called them Gene, Paul, Ace, Peter. None of this, you know. I mean, and obviously, in Kiss Me, it's the Phantom. You know, Easy Cat, man, they are serious. You know, they're they're starting to kind of refer to each other, but to me, it was always just we knew who they were. <laughs> you know, it's totally different. Let me make up a note about that. Actually, what is very interesting is uh, in the Attack of the Phantoms. There is, uh, there are more references to them by name, which is really cool. Uh, for example, uh, Melissa is is leaving the park, uh, and uh, you know there's a there's a very bizarre group of what you would call park attendees walking out, like you know, full adults are leaving this amusement park like at night, and then there happens to be uh, a couple cars parked exactly at the entrance where you would get your tickets or give your tickets. Uh, but she actually sees what is uh, assumed to be Sam's car, and she says, Paul was right, Melissa says. So there's a lot of references to them by name, and there are more in that international theatrical cut. So now if you're going to sit down and watch it, do you watch the original? Do you watch the uh, theatrical version? I am these days. It's funny. I've, I've come full circle. I originally loved uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Then I was really into Attack. I love the solo album songs being in there. I, I think it's so great. And somehow they work. I don't know how that happened, but they totally work. Um, not too much into the uh, Dynasty video intermission, but I recently, again, doing the book, I went back to the TV movie edit. As I began to even read the interviews, I understood more how it was put together and why. I still can't explain away Kiss not being in this thing for like a half hour, but... Yeah, the TV edit. Well, it's like the Jaws shark. You can't give it away right away. You got to kind of hold out. Make the <laughs> audience wait through all the commercials, Ron. <laughs> well, you know, Kiss Me, the Phantom of the Park is really the Jaws 3 and 3D of TV movies. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. <laughs> Look, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. This has been a blast. I think, you know, give everybody the idea again. Where can they go to get the book? Thanks, man. Um, you can order uh, the Kiss book about Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park by me, Ron Albanese, called Conversations with Phantoms, exclusive interviews about the 1978 TV movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. You can pre-order that at BearManorMedia.com. Bear Manor Media. Go to that site. Search for me in the search bar. Uh, and you can find the hardcover or paperback. 
Um, and they're both there. Shipping is happening now. Uh, you can get this. And of course, uh, in short order, this will be available on Amazon globally. Uh, many people are reporting that they're able to order it already in different markets, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be uh, fully released eventually on Amazon. Right now, you can get it through Bear Manor Media. Ron, I really appreciate it. Is there any last minute thought you want to send to your Kiss Army friends listening all over the planet? Asylum's better than revenge, isn't it? <laughs> There's a whole other show right there. <laughs> I started I started that whole conversation in the KISS world. I want some credit. I don't want all the credit, but I want some credit. Dude, King of the Mountain? That's fantastic. There King you go. God. But anyway, Matt, it's always awesome to visit the KISS room. You know what? I need to get you and Tom Stewart, and we're going to debate revenge and asylum. That'll be a blast coming soon in the KISS room. Ron, I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Have a happy Halloween. Everybody get Ron's book. You're in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio. Where music and minds meet.
Kiss Army. I want to thank Ron Albanese for joining us in the Kiss Room. As he mentioned, you can order his new book, Conversations with Phantoms, exclusive interviews about the 1978 TV movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park via BearManorMedia.com. And I will post the link to his book in the Kiss Room Facebook group as well. Uh, one thing that might be fun, look in the comment section on that thread, comment with your favorite line of dialogue from Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. I mentioned a couple of mine when I was talking to Ron. I'd like to hear yours. I think it's always funny, especially if they're lines that you use in your regular life. Because Easy Cat, man, they're serious, so they've got guns. It's fun stuff. It's what it's all about. Look, a couple other things that are coming up. Our friend Cameron Duty will be doing another Alive Unplug, the music of Kiss show on Saturday, October 24th. It's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, featuring tons of Kiss songs delivered in his awesome acoustic style. You're going to want to check that out. I'll post a link to that in the Facebook group. Halloween night. She-Wolf, Dana Kane, and the Mighty Incisors are doing a live stream, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch that via twitch.tv slash SKD Mighty Incisors. And I'll post the link for that as well. That's something fun for you to do on Halloween night. I posted in the Kiss Room Facebook group that I want to get the hashtag Kiss Room Halloween to be a trending topic. It's Halloween, so of course you're gonna be snapping photos of your costumes, your cosplays, your pumpkins, and I would like it if everybody would tag Kiss Room Halloween, and let's make it a thing. It's just for fun, hashtags, they join everybody together, and isn't that the point? So we're gonna have fun with that. I love seeing all your pictures. I love seeing everybody's smiling faces. And really, one thing I want to announce right here is I'm going to give away a Kiss Room logo t-shirt from our friends over at the Click Tea Shop. So it's it's a click or treat Kiss Room t-shirt giveaway. How about that? So what you need to do is go to the win page of thekissroom.com. And you'll see the entry form right there. You need to enter your name, your address. You need to put your email because I'm going to confirm with you that you're the winner. And you must include the secret word. The secret word is... Pumpkin. Thank you, Madison Porter. The secret word is... Pumpkin. And you must include the secret word. If you want to win, you have to include the secret word. Because I want to know that whoever wins is someone who actually listened to the Kiss Room. Not just somebody who clicked on a link and found it. You know, because you were listening, you know that the secret word is... Pumpkin. And you're going to enter that and you could win. Of course, you can see all of the amazing designs on clickteashop.com. That's click with a K, clickteashop.com. But this giveaway is for a Kiss Room logo t-shirt. Okay, it's a Kiss, it's the Kiss Room logo. It's right on the shirt. You'll look great in it. They're custom made. So include the size that you want along with your secret word because obviously we're going to make it custom for you. I don't have a stack of shirts that that I'm sitting here with. They are literally custom made. You can get everything from an extra small to the larger than life all the way up to 4X. You're going to tell me what you want. Somebody's going to win that. All entries need to be in 
by Halloween. So November 1st will be too late. You got to have them in by Halloween. So if you've listened early, you can be the first one. You're When I pull those out randomly, somebody's going to win that. And you could be the winner. Also, Kiss Room Demos Project Volume 6. It's already an eight-song album, but I want your song. If you're working on a song, if you have a song that Kiss could have done, that's the concept. Write a song as if Kiss was going to do your song. Send it to me before Thanksgiving because I'm going to play them all in the December edition of The Kiss Room. Go to the demos page of thekissroom.com for all the info. Okay, it's there's every song from every previous version is on there. So if you just want to download a bunch of music, you can get all the songs. But, but I want your song. I think it'll be much more fun and we'll play all the songs that we've gotten on the December issue of The Kiss Room. It'll be our holiday listening party in the kiss room so just a couple things that are on my mind and now it's the top of the hour which means my favorite part of the show we're gonna gear up for the kiss room house band you're listening to mako radio where music and minds meet not allowed to smoke in the kiss room hi everybody it's gene simmons you're listening to the kiss room on montco radio but you knew that you wanted the best and you got it the hottest man in the land matt porter It's the October Kiss Room, and that means Halloween is right around the corner. It also means I'll be another year older. Ugh. Anyway, we got a spooky set of Kiss classics for you, starting off with Creatures of the Night.
This next song reminds me of how I feel the next morning after partying too much. Almost human. up is Ace's track from The Elder, Dark Light. Sodom and Gomorrah 
the malevolent order. Right now, before it's much too late, before it's much too late, a dark light, a darkness never ending, a dark light, the devil gets his due, a dark night, who's everywhere descending, a dark light, is coming for you. Every Kiss fan was like, yes, the demon is back.
like what Jerry did so much that two months later we did Let Me Go Rock and Roll. So Kiss has Kiss Alive. The Kiss Room has Kiss Room Unalive. The next two songs up are Hotter Than Hell and Firehouse! Fire! Alright! I tell y'all I got this feeling that's gonna be one of those hot nights Yeah! We're gonna get this place louder than hell!
Kiss Army, we're back. Thanks, obviously, to the Kiss Room House Band for another amazing set. Those guys continue to rock us every month. I really do appreciate it. And joining me next, now my next guest, when I first met him, he was emerging from a coffin on a smoke-filled stage surrounded by a killer band, flashing lights, hot ladies who are singing and dancing, and he was the front man of the band Phantasm, Vampire Kelly Stevens, welcome to the Kiss Room. Thank you, Matt. Nice <laughs> so, to speak again, my friend. So, you know, I'm thrilled to talk to you. I mean, look, obviously we could talk about all these things that we love, our Kiss and music and wrestling. And I know you're a big Ric Flair fan. I mean, all the things that are great about life we can talk about. We could talk forever. <laughs> and I'm really, I'm thrilled that you can join us like this. So really, look, in, in the year 2020, we've known each other a long time. How you been? Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, I can't complain. I mean, you know, besides the COVID thing, which everybody will complain about. <laughs> I really can't. You know, I got my health. God bless me. And, uh, you know, I really can't complain. That's good. The, uh, I mean, obviously, look, as diehard KISS fans, we could talk on and on about that. But I think just to kind of bring the listeners in and give them some context Talk about, I mean, obviously, Phantasm is your baby. It's it's how I met you. It's it's one of the things that was, you know, um, it's amazing about what you do. Bring our listeners in. Talk about Phantasm. Well, did, first of all, because I haven't done it. You know, the band didn't break up, per se. It's just after a second record deal we had that, for all intent purposes, I pretty much blew that one myself, which I have no regrets, believe it or not. But, uh, <laughs> That's all another story as it is. But uh, we. this is the second October, unfortunately, that we had an aborted uh, reunion show that, you know, as you may or may not know, everybody's spread across the country now. Right. This has been going on for about six years now that they've been poaching me to do it. I haven't performed since I performed with Phantasm because I'm just not interested in doing anything but that. And... They were, you know, poaching me. By the way, I should also mention, like, probably about 10, 12 years ago, I cut all my hair off. Till... So this is going all the way back about six years ago. I started growing my hair in, like, without committing. Just no they're going to push me sooner or later. And finally, we got everybody committed. And they're all flying in on their own dime to Jersey to do this. You know, like, you know, it's obviously we need money to do the show that we did. And to me, 
just like Kiss did, obviously not on that level, but reunion means reunion. And I plan on doing the whole thing, you know, the coffin, the, you know what I mean? Like basically my attitude, Kiss, nobody could do it better than the way Kiss did it. Like they almost literally were back to 77. And I take a lot of pride in what I did. And that's what I expect. You know, I did the whole rigmarole, losing weight, everything. And, you know, you're, I'm sure you're still friends with T, you know, Bobby, like on Facebook. He looks great. He's been playing nonstop. You know, I just, uh, Kirk, the old drummer, left the band willingly on the second round. Actually, before, no, he actually was there during the recording of this, the album. He left. Uh, from what I recall, it wasn't friendly the way he left obviously at that point but uh ironically he's the strongest proponent towards reunion now where he's speaking to me about continuing after the reunion well you know it's funny because i think that's the one thing that i that i really know that my kiss room audience will love is the fact that the show was so theatrical, but also so married to the songs. Like there was each, there was clothing changes throughout. You had one song where the the ladies in the back came out as nuns, and you're a minister and you're throwing money. And there's like, and like I said right at the start, one of the most impressive things, having seen you live a bunch of times, you're coming out of a coffin. You're you're dressed in these different outfits. I mean, Kiss fans will will absolutely gravitate toward the show of it because it was so big. Big. And like you said, if you're going to do it and you're going to do it right, it will be big again. And and I mean, you know, with all the lights and all the lasers and, and really that whole look was astonishing, especially when we were seeing it at the time on like club and theater size stages, which was really amazing. That helped us out a lot, I believe, you know, because at one point we started touring and we were because of our like it was a catch 22 because of the size of the shell. And I refused to do to play without doing the full on show because we had no record deal or radio support. And that was the nineties. Remember too. Sure. Like, where nobody wanted anything to do with anybody that had any stitch of makeup. Forget, you know, we weren't boys and we were very, you know, I pride myself on that. I, I would, you know, going to the kids thing, obviously that was a big, huge influence on me where I, I in my head, you know, and no district, you know, nothing is anything without what came before, but in my head, at the height of it, Phantasm looked more like a unit than the Beatles, even Kiss, as far. that, Like, when we were on the road at a gimmick and we walked into a diner, there was no doubt that was a fucking band. You know, <laughs> it was like, you know, four guys with blue-black hair down at a waist. I mean, you know, you talk about, like, those 80s bands, hair bands. Our hair was on our waist. Like, the intent was to overdo everything. You know, that was one of my only gripes was being compared to the 80s bands because I don't think we're anything like them. Like, to compare us to Poison, I mean, Kiss, yeah, I'll take that. Like, I, you know, Kiss became cheesy because it became overdone, but which I still loved anyway. But you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, my inspiration of Kiss was not, and, you know, this is kind of a good question for you. When did Kiss get smiley? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they were so badass, like the hotter than hell, the dress to kill life. Like, it was the black leather. It was almost like a snarling, not just Gene. Like, it was a fucking full power. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't remember this grinning. You know what I'm saying? Like, when, and what I'm, the point I'm making is with my inspiration from Kiss, that was always my attitude. Uh, my inspiration from them 
was just like badass. Like they, they were intimidating to me as a kid when I saw them. That's one of those topics that we could go on and on. I think really it, it was the byproduct of big success. And they decided that they would want to reach everybody. And by the time, you know, they're introducing Eric Carr, it's on kids or people too. You know, as far from scary as you could get. And, you know, they're doing the whole kind of line about, oh, well, you know, Peter's still part of the family. In the meantime, they hate him. And, you know, it's, um, I think that was at that time, I mean, they're selling dolls and, you know, and that was, they were, they were kind of trying to be everything to everybody, I think, you know, it's like, and that's where the money was and you can't really do it. But I think to, to just to give people a context, how about if we go to one of your phantasm songs so people can get into it. Getting ready for Halloween with Vampire Kelly Stevens in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio, where music and minds meet. I'm an angel, so it seems. I tell you what you want and you believe. Got a halo around my Cause your money's in charge I really, really got you now A blessed man and I bow I'm an angel Look at you see I'm an angel Filled with greed Stop I got people
All right, you're back in the kiss room. So that was Angel from Phantasm. And, and listening to that, I'm thinking to myself, I remember that had a whole storyline in itself. I mean, talk about that. Uh, well, that was kind of a passive-aggressive thing, to be honest with you. That was, that's the, we always did that as encore. And the reason is, is because that song actually had nothing to do with the rest of the show. That's why, in my head, when I first started doing it, by the way, we were we always headlined because we had to because of the show. So when I first started and jumped into the bigger rooms, and I'm talking like 600, 800 seat rooms, I obviously wasn't feeling that. So on that song, my conception added desperation is if I don't get them up here by now, when I threw out the money, I was actually throwing out real money <laughs> well, to get up into the front. And as you can imagine, even though it was a wad full of, you know, like nowadays, like an equivalent of like showering a stripper, but people would go nuts. <laughs> so that shows you like with the theater wise, how, you know, and of course I know sold it, you know, like a Fonzie, like, you know, like now, you know, once I started filling up the rooms, I printed money with my own face on it, which <laughs> I thought was cool. And, you know, people still collect that, which is ironic, you know, and cool. But that that song was about like the dichotomy of Catholicism, like that, you know, throw back. It wasn't anybody in particular, like the Jim Bakers and all that, like preaching, you know, uh, taking your money behind your back, deception. And at one point, uh, I got the nuns, and I, I, now I get to the verse where I'm saying I'm burying you with lies, and I rip off their breakaway outfits, and you didn't give away the punchline. So, you know, we're just stripped down to like almost nothing. And and at that point, it, it, you know, that was the first punch. If they're not reacting to half-naked girls, and they were beautiful, but then I'd throw the money out, you know? <laughs> you know, you really, you had every secret. <laughs> I did that as the encore, and as far as any room I played, if I couldn't get a reaction after that, I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> to because the only other thing I could do is like a Bugs Bunny and kill myself. <laughs> No, I mean, that's I, I had seen that a bunch of times where I'll tell you that drew everybody's attention because you had, you know, these nuns that are being stripped down while you're throwing money on stage and they're holding crosses. And it was definitely uh, it was quite a show. I mean, certainly it was what everybody was uh, certainly reacting to something larger than life. And, uh, you know, it, it was fun. Yeah, absolutely fun. Now, obviously. You know, the stuff that you were doing with Phantasm was so much fun. And I know from knowing you that it definitely had roots in being a fan of Kiss. So talk about, obviously, we're in the Kiss room. How do you discover Kiss? What are your first memories of Kiss? I'm 99.9% .9 sure. Um, as you know, Joe Gillies from Alive 75. Absolutely. That was my older brother's best friend. Wow. So basically, all the, you know, I knew... Probably like Queen, Sabbath, Aerosmith, vaguely, you know, like eight, nine years old from AM radio. When I, I lived in New York, that's literally, there was no FM. That's like, you would hear Bohemian Rhapsody and Takul and the Gang, you know, like, you know, that's the dish I grew up on. And then when my brother was friends with Joe, Joe, and this is before even like Kerrang! and shit like that. This is like, 78, not, not even, 75, 77. He'd come over all the time with these albums. And Kiss Alive ones are really one, the one that wrote me in. And, uh, you know, you're around my age. I mean, I really feel bad for kids these days. It's a cliche saying this because I've read it before from other artists. But I used to play the album, the vinyl, and just sit there and study, like, the liner notes. Like, what kid gives a shit? 
what who the engineer is. You know what I mean? Or or what guitars they play. And but you know what? It worked because I started out playing guitar. And, you know, obviously no fucking 10, 11 year old kid could afford a Gibson Let's Ball like Ace Freely plays. You know, so you get the knockoff one. But your aim is to get a Gibson subconsciously. And I know many people like this, you know, because, yeah, like I got a V eventually because of Paul Stanley. You know what I mean? I mean, I love K.K. Downing and, you know, Michael Shanker, but it started with Paul Stanley. Like the first time I ever saw an Explorer was Paul Stanley, like when they did Rock and Roll. That's besides the costumes. I love the way Paul like changed guitars too. You know what I mean? Like every era, like it was kind of everything they fucking did was so. I'm sorry, I just bleeped again. <laughs> that was passion exploitative. Um, you know what I mean? Like everything they did was so special. Like I loved that every like era was defined. Like there was a costume change, there was guitar changes, like a stage set change. I had all that stuff planned with Phantasm. Um, Probably the loop that I was doing, which was promoting back again, that you saw. But because I did, I probably did Philly like at least twice doing that exact same set. Yep. Doesn't matter doing the same set when you got no record at. You know what I mean? Right. To to me, our audience was building. So yeah, of course we had return customers, but word of mouth, we always grow, which was great. That's the way it's supposed to work. But, uh, uh, you know, the Phantasm thing, it's a mix of Bowie, it's a mix of Cooper, it's a mix of Kiss, obviously, the visuals and theatrics. But I made a very conscious effort not to make it guitar dominant. I mean, I'm the biggest metal guy. I wouldn't even say so much metal. Like, again, if you know Joe personally, like, the stuff I grew up on is a little ahead of my age time. You know, like, I didn't grow up on the hair bands. As a matter of fact, when all that hit, with the possible exception of when Motley Crue first came out. I thought that was cool, obviously, for the Kiss, you know, inferences. But, uh, like, all the rest of them were just, like, watered down, like, vapid to me. Uh, but the music, what I did with Phantasm, to this day, I don't know how to describe or compare it to anything. And just for anybody that doesn't know, isn't familiar, which may be most, I'm not saying I'm better or worse, just different, you know? I mean, obviously, they're song-oriented. You know, there's catchy choruses. You know, there's... I, you know, I did the theatrics because I enjoy that, but I also did it so people wouldn't walk away. And if you remember the show, I didn't have the girls out the whole show. I didn't do costume changes every show. It was planned out start to finish, where I'd come out with a bang. I'd do one, two. Then if you're losing your... You know, okay, I've seen this now. Eight minutes in, oh, wait, holy shit, what's going on now? And I have something else. You know what I mean? It was intentional just because I tried to make it where you didn't know what was coming next and you had to stand there. And my intent was that nobody was going to give my music a chance because it didn't sound like Stone Temple Pilots or every other band that was out at that time. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, you get the freak show attraction initially because the way we looked. You know, I mean, let's face it, who came out of a, you know, everything came somewhere later that I learned, you know, Arthur Brown did it or whatever. But, um, you know, you get an initial reaction. Most bands should on their first opening song. Like, that's the best part of any concert, in my opinion. You know, if you miss the beginning, it kills it. 
you know, because that's just <laughs> the explosiveness, right or wrong. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. Well, then that's you always hooked people right from the start, and I think that was what was exciting about it was, and like you said, I think that for especially at the time there was definitely a keyboard-driven element that that you weren't hearing in a lot of bands. That was really, I think, also one of the things that kind of set you apart was that it had a definitely a different sound. Um, you know, but even thinking about that, I mean, obviously, you know, the uh, the visuals, like when you looked at those, you would hand out those playbills that looked just like something you would get, you know, at the theater. And the look, you know, you had this look that could have been either super crazy heavy and dark, but yet the music, when in a way, was more theatrical, which I think was something I always enjoyed. It was, uh, I think, bigger than just, you know, it was, there was a lot to it. Yeah, I appreciate that because you're one of many that, and I find this especially with, not especially per se Kiss fans, like Kiss geeks that are very deep. They, to this day, that's why I have a fan base because the shit was deep. Like every song, like I didn't, uh, I'll never forget, what was that? The first Motley Crue video, Livewire. I can't even tell you what that song's about. And I did like it. You know, I liked the first record. But they got like skulls on showing and pentagrams. And what the fuck does that have to do with that? Well, they're being scary. <laughs> yeah, but it's not scary. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and every little thing I did. And again, you know, I did everything I did as a fan. Like, basically, the kiss attitude, reverting to that, that I wanted to do what I wanted to see. You know, bang for the buck. You know, no fucking shoegazing. I want good songs. And a good song doesn't have to be a huge chorus. It doesn't have to be shout it, shout it, or it doesn't have to be she's my, like uh, Led Zeppelin in the ocean. The hook is bam, 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 and out. It doesn't have to be a big chorus. There's no rules if the song is good. And, uh, you know, because nobody had my product, I wanted it visual to hook them in. Like everything that I did made sense. And the playbill thing, to this day, I don't know anybody that did that before me. And the reason why I did that was that the moment that you paid to get in, you knew that you were seeing something different. And that's what I wanted. Like, I wanted, what, what the fuck is this? You know, and, and a lot of people, like, you know, let's say, like the bigger rooms, a lot of people would go to on the regular, okay? Like down by you, like Cellbox, that was a big room. Like people would just go there on the weekends, yeah. no matter who was playing, you know what I'm saying? And those are the type of people when they paid, they'd give it to them and they'd be like, what is this? And not even take it. <laughs> now, like, but the second time I played Cellbox, I'd run out of them because people would come back and try and take more. You know what I mean? And like to this day, they sell those on eBay, you know, which is crazy. But, you know, it's very cool. But like every little thing I did became collectible because it, it had depth to it. And I, you know, like I appreciate it. You know, part of my deal with uh, Arista, obviously at that point, it was going to be released on CD. And uh, like Angel on the, on the commercial release of that was on cassette only. That wasn't even a track on that. That was a ghost track because I love that ish. Like, right, I, hidden I surprise. Gonna do, I was going to do, uh, like, is, even though it's CD, like backmasking stuff, like everything as kids from the 70s. And I remember that I wanted fold out, like gatefold. I wanted all my lyrics printed. I wanted pictures. I wanted stuff falling out. And they were like, that's all extra. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll take it out of my budget. And they're like, what, you, you can't do Kiss. And I'm like, dude, I was like, that's why I love Kiss. I said, <laughs> I want something falling in somebody's lap when they open that. Right. Everybody loves something for free. 
<laughs> you know, I don't care if they didn't get it. To me, that was fun. Like that was fucking fun. You know what's funny is I just actually in the mail got the they are re-releasing a lot of the albums and they re-released Kiss Unmasked with splattered vinyl, multicolored vinyl. And you know what? It comes with a replica of that original poster. And it's just like what you're saying, in the year 2020, here I am, excited as can be to be pulling the poster out as I'm putting the record on. <laughs> you know? Crazier than me. Like, you know, I don't collect you know, anymore. But, I mean, you know, my walls were... I mean, I I gave them so much money. I At the time, you know, the magazine stands, almost every magazine down to like 16 had them. And I would buy everything. Like, just to snap, you know, cut out the pictures and put them on your wall. You know? But I love that mystique. Uh, in my head, like, especially with the vampire theme, which I can't, I almost said the F word. I can't believe, to me, and again, for anybody, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back. I, I just think it's a brilliant concept. I think it's very rock and roll. It's very fun. Uh, I can't believe somebody else didn't do it. And, like, to me, I mean, to the extent that I did it. I, you know, like, People would say, like, typo negative. Like, come on, the guy's wearing a fucking t shirt. <laughs> like, you know, and that was a joke, too. Like, that was almost like, that was almost like that Steel Panther. Like, they, that was an intentional joke. Oddly, a lot of people didn't get it, but like, they were making fun of shit. You know what I mean? I, so I don't you, disrespect it either, but. So when you think of Kiss, what, what are some of your favorite songs that come to your mind? What were some of the ones even that influenced you maybe as a songwriter? I don't think anything I wrote sounded like them. I wouldn't uh, say it sounded like it. but I, 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 could, I could literally say to you, everything, I would say up to, up to Dynasty, I don't think I dislike any song that they put out. As, as much as a mark that I may sound with that. <laughs> actually... As a fan, supposedly Unmasked was the same line. I really didn't like Unmasked when it came out. You know, for some reason, I liked Dynasty. I did, even when it came out. And uh, But I, I didn't like Unmasked. For, it just, I don't know. I, I think the, even at that age, the Sonics, like, it just, like, it just sounded watered down. And, uh, like, a lot of those songs, like, for instance, right now, I can't rattle off. I could probably rattle off, even in order, almost every one of those records, except that one. You know, I know. Right. Is that you? You know what I'm saying? And that shows you that the songs weren't strong enough to me. I think one of their books I read, it might have been Paul's, which was very negative, that uh, in hindsight, I think he was speaking about Gene, that he was saying, and it was cool at one point. Everybody got their respective songs. Like, you know, after Shock Me, there's got to be an A song. The fans will, you know, after Beth, there's got to be a Peter song. But if those songs for any individual, including Paul or Gene, are crap, like, why shove it down people's throats? Like, for the obligatory song. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, and at that point, that's, I think, their problem was that they they weren't as successful. So I think they were trying something different, just throwing another hook in the water, hoping I, I to catch. I, I don't think they realized they were sinking, because from all accounts, uh, Dynasty sold well. And I don't think they realized that they were losing their audience until they is to my recollection that tour was successful as well i don't think they're i think it was a like a downfall trajectory where they lost they gained a lot of fans with dynasty but lost a lot but they didn't realize it because it was such an evening out but unmasked was de-icing you know right. what i mean 
Like right. I, that's that's what I'm saying. Is thinking, by I, by the time Unmasked came out, they're they're searching to see what they can do to kind of get back I on think top. They were it with the poppy thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they were like, okay, well, Dynasty worked. You know, Paul wasn't wrong. We could do these poppy stuff. You know, let's do a pop album. and It'll be even bigger. And you know, that's when they really what because pop is exactly what it is. Pop, you know, I'm sure you've read all these books, Neil Bogart with the bubble gum. You know the the you know the analogy with that is it tastes good for a couple of seconds you spit it out. <laughs> that really that and that makes sense. It's a good analogy, but there's no longevity to it. And Kiss had such a rabid fan. I mean, every good band has got a like. I love Bowie. There's no two albums that sound the same, uh, which to me is fucked up. Like I'm sorry, I cursed again. But <laughs> like it's difficult to be a fan. You know what I mean? When there's no continuity. Like, it's really weird. I'm such, it might be that I'm such a mark for Kiss because uh, this is a uh, a term I believe that I coined myself, high school eyes, where, and the attitude is, you remember in high school, like the hottest girl in high school that nobody could get, and it was just like the fantasy. And then like 20 years later, you see her and she's out of shape and fat. But me, me and you, Matt, when we went to school, if we see that girl 20 years later, she still looks the way she's in high school. That's and I like it. <laughs> as I have high school eyes for Kiss. And ironically, Kirk, our old drummer, was a huge Kiss fan, and he hates them now. And I'm trying to, oh, because of the books. Because that, you know, and it's corny. Like, we're in a band ourselves. Like, you know, maybe not a household, but in our heads, we had full intention of being there. In other words, we carried ourselves that way, where you're kind of a mark for buying into that fantasy. But at the end of the day, I think any artist, not a musician, an artist, a creator, is a fan of something. That's what motivated them. And, you know, listen, man, I, I'd, I'd love to fucking believe that... I'm sorry, I cursed again. I, I'd love to believe that Peter was brought up by cats. I really want... <laughs> and I don't want to hear that he couldn't play or that he complained, you know? I mean, even if the stuff... I almost cursed again. Like, but Gene, like, even criticizing him that he's got, you know, like a sex, uh, you know, addiction, like, that's in the spirit of rock and roll. That's palatable, you know, to some people. But even the drug stuff with Ace, but, you know, don't ram it home that he was, like, useless. Nobody wants to hear that. But, you know, in the day, when I bought the square, that, that was the crescendo. That's what really floored me. Like, and again, I love all that theatrical. Like that, I'm sorry, I cursed again. <laughs> the moment you drop the needle, that puts you somewhere else. You know, like all that audio with the car and everything. And it's brilliant. And that's Ezrin. That's not Kiss, but, you know, that's Ezrin. And I, that Destroyer was really the defining thing, like, in my life, you know. But I think that's also, and you mentioned that, like, that high schoolizing of it is when you think about it, you know, we were that exact age that was discovering Kiss when they were superheroes. And you didn't think of them like in a regular life. You know, you thought about them wearing the makeup and driving around in a limousine and, and really being super powerful. And I think that's the thing with the books. They reveal, and I think now more than ever, you get to see that they were just as in they would say, Kiss Meets the Phantom, ordinary people, you know, you had, and it was, and the books really reveal ordinary lives, you know, extraordinary careers, 
but in some ways, ordinary lives. And I think that was, as we get older, you know, you don't always want to admit that your favorite rock star might have been having, you know, a, a crappy time. You know, it's uh, so I think the books didn't help. I think in an age of social media where they can share a picture of their Starbucks and and tell you how they're doing, you almost I like to think of them in a way like I like your the, the way you described it. You want to think about them and kiss in a certain era. Larger uh, than life. And yeah. What? what? I hooked me in. Like you got it. It's like a movie, like suspension of disbelief. I want right. to believe that they're better than me, that they could do things that I can't do. That's what a hero is. That's the right. definition of a hero. Is somebody that could do stuff that the normal can't, you know? And yes, of course we're older, it's corny, we know it's all shtick now, you know. But at this point, anybody that's a diehard knows that Paul and Gene, you know, were the brains and the work behind it. I, I don't know. I, I don't think they need to, like, I kind of took it like patting yourself on the back. Like, he's, you know, listen, Paul Stanley's widely adored. And for, in all accounts, for better, in some degree, respected by most. Okay. I mean, you can't argue with success at, at worst. Okay. And to me, it was almost bat packing, like, you know, like bat padding, like his book. Like, he's got to, like, state, like, all that he did behind it. Personally, like, I wouldn't do that. Especially, By the way, this is the first audio interview I've ever done because of my gimmick. If you recall my show, I never spoke. Ever. Right. Like, you know, we mimed in between songs. You didn't mention that, too, if you recall. Any song we mimed, I'd do, like, vampire movie clips in between that actually tied into the lyrics to the next song. Right. I'm losing track of where I'm going with this because, you, you know, I told you I could keep going on, on different subjects and everything. Well, you know what? We could talk all night, but guess what? I'm out of time because seriously, Zappa's coming on right after the kiss room. So really, I have one more question for you. Obviously, you're very theatrical and we're getting ready for Halloween. What was your favorite Halloween costume growing up? Oh, geez. I mean, I did the Planet of the Apes out of the box one. <laughs> you know, you can't breathe. <laughs> Because at the time, you know, your parents would say to you, no, you'd make your own, but you couldn't make the Planet of the Apes, man. <laughs> I couldn't anyway at like six, Ooh. seven years old, you know. <laughs> I remember I did Kiss for years, you know, as we all did. I'm sure you as as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, we're out of time, but I want to give you one more minute to say hello to all the Kiss Army listening all around the world. Any last minute thoughts? Um, anybody that wants to friend request me, I'm on Facebook, K-E-L-L-Y. Last name, S-T-E-V-E-N-S. I do have, I lost all my footage in a flood, which you brought up earlier. But fan stuff, some of it's on YouTube. Uh, some of it's on my Facebook page, if they want to see it. A lot of it's choppy, but it sounds good and it looks good. And uh, last thing, thank you. I'd love to come back to the Kiss Room when I actually have something solid to promote. And I'd love you to be a part of the reunion show. I want you to film well, look, you're absolutely always welcome in the Kiss Room. I'm thrilled that we could do that. I want to send a shout-out, obviously, Vampire Kelly Stevens. Thanks for giving us your time. And you're in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio, where music and minds meet.
Kiss Army, we are out of time. I want to thank Vampire Kelly Stevens from Phantasm for taking time to chat with me and let me share his music. Thanks to Ron Albanese for giving us the scoop on his new book, Conversations with Phantoms, exclusive interviews about the 1978 TV movie, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Get your copy today, people. And thanks, as always, to the amazing Kiss Room house band for another great set. Join me again on Friday, November 13th for the next broadcast of The Kiss Room. In the meantime, have fun, be safe, and no matter what else is going on in the world, be kind to one another. Thank you for listening. Have a happy Halloween. You have been one hell of an audience tonight. Why don't you give yourselves a round of applause? I'll tell you something. You know, a lot of bands like to brag about their fans. Now, naturally, you better believe we brag about you, but we want you to know something. We want you to know, we know that you are our fans, but don't you ever forget, we are your fans! We love you! Thank you for listening to The Kiss Room. Stay tuned to Montco Radio. last minute crazy things you want to say to conform with expectations no but i will say something to anybody out there that's you know the weird guy or the weird girl that always has the weird things that they do that their friends put them down for don't think it's so weird maybe someday somebody will let you give you the chance to make a living out of it you just stick to it you'll be weird <laughs> <laughs>